Mark chapter 7, excuse me, verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. Just kind of review a little bit. We covered this last Sunday morning. And, the, and it was quite a journey, really, from Jerusalem to where Jesus was, up in the northern part of the region of Galilee. And they didn't, their motives for coming were not good. And really, this makes, uh, just again, a reminder, it's kind of a transitional period in the ministry of Jesus, the brief time he was on this earth. And um, the opposition toward him is really going to take hold after this and during this. Verse 2 says, And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. That was the theme of our message uh, last week about just fault finding and the danger of, of having a critical spirit. They found fault for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And just keep that word tradition in your mind. And when they come from the market, talking about their tradition, when they come from the market except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes ask him. Now they found, they're finding fault. They're seeing that Jesus' disciples do not meticulously observe their traditions. And so then the Pharisees and scribes ask him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What a blistering response when Jesus said, how come you, you, your disciples, or when they said to Jesus, how come your disciples don't obey our traditions? Verse 7, how be it in vain do they worship me? Talking about these, these men that Isaiah prophesied of. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Verse 8, for laying aside... The commandment of God, we heard, talked about this or heard about this in Sunday school this morning. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may hold your own tradition. For Moses said... And now he's going to give us an example. We'll cover this in some detail later. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And, also in the Old Testament writings, Whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. That's what the scripture says. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mayest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. And here's kind of summarizing the issue with these Pharisees. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things you do. 
So it was a really a conflict between tradition and God's truth. And I just want to use that as a title today because we're going to look at these two things together. Um, truth or tradition. And let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to open the Bible. And we thank you for providing for us, preserving for us your very words. We ask you to bless as we study. We pray the Spirit of God would be our teacher. Help us to have attentive minds. Help me, Lord, as I seek to teach and preach the Word of God. Help us to rightly divide the Word of truth and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save our soul. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, this word tradition is mentioned um, numerous times here in this passage. As a matter of fact, it's around in verse 3, holding the tradition of the elders. Verse 5, the tradition of the elders. Verse 8, you hold the tradition of men. Verse 9, you keep your own tradition. Verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. So he's talking about their traditions. And I think it'd be worthwhile to take just a moment and just think about the place of tradition. Now, what is a tradition? A tradition is something that is transferred or transmitted from one person to another or from one generation to another. And uh, they had received these traditions to hold on to them. Verse 13 says they delivered them. Verse 13, you've, you've uh, not only received them, but you've delivered them. They've been passed on to you. Now, most of you, if you were to think about it today, could probably think of a tradition that maybe your family passed on to you, or maybe something that you hope to pass on to the next generation, that future generations would hold. Uh, In this case, it had to do with the washing of hands, and the Pharisees were challenging the fact that the disciples ate with unwashing hands. That was a Jewish tradition. Now, this matter of washing their hands, though, was not just about personal hygiene, it was really about ceremonial cleansing. And uh, in verse 4 it says, except, and, and when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. In other words, when, you, when you've been out in the market, you come back, you have to wash, and a part of that was to remove these Jewish people, to remove the contamination that they might have picked up from rubbing elbows with the Gentiles. This was a part of their prideful religious system. You have to wash your hands. You, you've, and they were very prideful about those traditions. And, um, you know, Jesus addresses this further on uh, in verse 14, for instance. He, when he begins to tell the people, hearken unto me, we'll cover this next week, every one of you and understand there's nothing from without a man that entering in can defile him. There's, these religious people had these traditions because they wanted to to cleanse themselves from the defilement that would come from the outside. And when Jesus is going to teach them, and we'll cover this next week, we're not defiled by what's on the outside, we're defiled by what's on the inside. And we'll get to that, as I said, a little bit later. So so these these are traditions that these people had, and and others even related to washing. Look in verse 4, he says, and many other things there be which have received a hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. And some people believe that they were so concerned if they were about to use a, a eating utensil 
That if the Gentiles had touched it or something, so they would dip it in water. And the word there, this washing, is similar to our word for baptism. They'd dip it to cleanse it. And they were just obsessed with these traditions. It was basically religious ritual. It's just going through these rituals. And the the disciples were guilty because the Pharisees made an issue of it. In verse 5, the Pharisees asked him why... Don't your disciples, according to the tradition of the elders, wash? Why aren't they walking and doing what the the tradition says that they should? You know, this is not the first time Jesus has been confronted because he broke the tradition of the Pharisees. He, He broke Sabbath traditions. Jesus never broke the law. Jesus never broke the law. But he broke with Sabbath traditions about how far you could go on the Sabbath day or eating corn in the field on the Sabbath day. And so he's, he's kind of butting heads with them over these issues. So just think about this matter of traditions for a moment. Are traditions wrong? And I would quickly say, no, they're really not wrong. Matter of fact, in our house, we believe in washing your hands before you eat. Especially if you've been out playing or working in the yard. You know, traditions are not wrong. By the way, don't judge us for that because we wash our hands. We won't judge you if you don't, but don't judge us for that. It's not a bad tradition. Traditions are sometimes good. I have a tradition of opening the door for a lady. I learned that as a kid. My, my grandfather, who was not a, a saved man as far as I know, but he wore a hat all the time and he'd tip his hat when he'd meet a lady. That was sort of a tradition. Nothing in the Bible says you have to do it, but it's a sign of respect. Are you following me? All traditions are not wrong. I I think some of these things are a good good thing. I was raised in a generation when men who used profanity regularly would refrain from cussing around a lady. That doesn't tell you to do that in the Bible, but it's a tradition. It's kind of fallen by the wayside. But I think it's a good tradition. Um, Brother Bobby Mitchell uh, was passing through uh, town a couple of weeks ago, and he, him and his family came to our house, and uh, there's uh, nine of them, so there's a house full. And they, as they came to the front door, Brother Mitchell asked me, he said, uh, should we take our shoes off? I said, yeah, this is holy ground. No, I didn't say <laughs> So we take our shoes off? And I said, well, we normally take our shoes off when we come in the house, but you don't have to. Come on in like you are. He says, no, we do the same thing. Out of respect for us, he kind of held to that. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. For a lot of us, you know, I think about this just looking around the auditorium today, but for a lot of us, um, you know, we grew up, I grew up, I can think, remember as a kid going to church with my, my mother at the church where both sets of my grandparents went to the same little country church. And, I, and, I, and this was kind of ingrained in me that people kind of put on their Sunday best to go to church. And it wasn't a suit and tie always, but it might be their best white shirt and maybe overalls or blue jeans, but, they were, but it was a part of the culture. You know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a tradition of dressing up when you go to church. The Bible never says to do that, but for us it was a tradition rooted in respect for the place we're going. We're going to the house of God. We're going to worship God. 
It's, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to dress up to go to church. It's a tradition. But it's not a bad tradition. I think there's something wholesome about teaching your kids, get dressed up, we're going to church, you know. Um, I'm going to be in a funeral service tomorrow, and I'll be dressed up. Now, the Bible didn't tell me I have to do that. It's not a command in Scripture, but it's a tradition rooted in respect. Are you, are you with me? Traditions are not a bad thing. Don't be anti-tradition. And a lot of these traditions are falling by the wayside. Thinking of, I was thinking about this funeral. Um, have been a lot. But I, one, one place, Brother Locke, that I've seen the effect of our culture is on funeral services. I can remember when every song you would ever hear played or sung in a funeral service was a Sacred song, a hymn, a traditional song. But I've heard a lot of songs since then. I was at a funeral service once, and Leonard Skinner, Freebird, was played in the service. It wasn't exactly what I associate with funerals. The point is, traditions have their place. The problem with these people was not that they had tradition. The problem was... The place that traditions held in their lives. You know, one thing that was wrong with these Pharisees' view and their tradition is they expected everyone to abide by their traditions. Just because it's your tradition doesn't mean it's always going to be everybody else's tradition. The bigger problem, though, is that they were so passionate about it that their traditions carried more weight than the Word of God. Actually... Their traditions replaced the Word of God. Now, when And by the way, and I'm not going to really get into this for time's sake, but there are a lot of mainstream religious movements and denominations whose traditions are equal with the Word of God. And that would, they'd fall into this very category right here that Jesus is dealing with. So how did Jesus address these critics? Look in verse 6. He said, the Pharisees, then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias or Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. This is what Isaiah wrote, and he wrote it about you. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And if you were to turn over there to Isaiah 29, where he's, where he's quoting from, he's, he said, this is who Isaiah was talking about. These people, he says, you honor me with your lips. What you say is, is honorable to me, but your heart is far from me. And he called them a hypocrite. You're hypocrites. You know, you know, we can be guilty of the very same thing. We can be guilty of saying one thing, but it's not really in what's in our heart. And that's what these people were doing. And because of it, look in verse 7, in vain do they worship me. Their worship was vain. A synonym would be empty, meaningless, worthless. He says, when you, you could sing songs, you could say words, you could sing but he says, if your heart is not in it, it, your worship is vain. 
It's empty. It's meaningless. You know why? Because they weren't really about worshiping God. They were really about keeping their traditions and enforcing their traditions. Verse 8 says that they laid aside. Look at verse 8. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. And And this wasn't the only way they did it, he says, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. For them, religion had just become a lot of traditions. And you know what? The same thing can happen to us. Just going through the motions. Saying the words, singing the words. They practice a lot of these things. Now this is a serious accusation against especially these religious elitists, these zealots, these Pharisees. It's an, that you t- you've taken the Word of God and you've laid it aside so that you can keep your tradition. Their worship had just become a system of man-made rules, but not heartfelt worship. It was not about, it was not about, it wasn't about surrendering to God, it wasn't about worshiping God, it wasn't about loving God, it wasn't about being closer to God, it was just about being committed to their traditions. Verse 9 says, full well you reject the commandment of God. That you may keep your own tradition. So these just weren't, these were not just traditions. They were traditions that replaced the Word of God. I hope you can see the difference in that. It's, it's not just anti tradition. I mean, we, we've got a tradition around our house. We brush our teeth every once in a while. But we don't replace that with the Word of God with that. And that was the issue he was taking with these people. This is a serious charge. That Jesus leveling against these people, giving tradition the same weight as Scripture. Paul wrote about this in Colossians 2. He said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. He wasn't saying every tradition is wrong, but don't let your spiritual life be spoiled because of traditions that take you away from the Word of God, that replace the Word of God. And God's God's people, and this is so elementary, but it needs to be said, God's people ought to live by the Bible. We heard about this again in Sunday school this morning. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. We're to live by the Bible. What does the Bible Say, nothing takes precedent over God's Word. And Jesus is going to give them, and let's look at this in verse 10. Jesus is going to give them an example of how they do this. For Moses said, now here's, Jesus is quoting one of the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. That's a commandment. It's not a suggestion it's a commandment. Honor your father and your mother. And then from Exodus 21, the Bible says this, Whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. That's a serious penalty. The death penalty. If you don't take, if you don't take care of your parents, if you don't honor your parents, if you, uh, if you don't treat your parents right, that's a serious offense. 
I think we would all agree with that. But look what it says in verse 11. But ye say, you Pharisees, but ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever that must be profited by me, he shall be free. And you might say free from what? And the free, he's talking about freedom from being responsible to take care of your parents. And verse 12 he says, it connects with verse 11, and you suffer him no more to do aught, to do anything for his father or his mother. So this is one of their traditions. The, the Bible says, now tradition doesn't say this, the Bible says this, honor thy father and thy mother. And the Bible says if you curse your father or mother, then you'll be put to death. But what if a person doesn't want to take care of his parents? What if a person doesn't want to take care of his mother and his father? Well, there was this practice, this tradition, this custom. In in Jewish custom, you could take something that was yours, some possession, some part of your, your livelihood, and you could devote a portion of it to God... And it was called Corbin. It was a gift, technically a gift to the treasury. You're like saying, I'm going I'm to devote a certain amount of my money to the temple or to the treasury. And, it's, the, and the word for it was Corbin. And so they, this became the tradition. If a man wanted, instead of taking care of his parents, if he, he was going to dedicate a certain portion of his money that would be used for his parents' help, He's going to dedicate that to the temple. And so instead of taking care of his parents, he just says the word Corban. Which means all of that money has already been devoted to the treasury. And and according to the tradition, and you can see the monetary motivation for what they were doing, then he's free from this commandment to honor his parents. And that money may indeed be given to the temple, but you don't even have to give it. You just say you're dedicating it to it. And therefore, you don't have to keep that tradition. It's like saying, I've devoted, I know, I know I'm supposed to take care of my mom and dad, but I've devoted this money to the temple, and therefore I'm not obligated to obey God. And, that with, and that's exactly what Jesus accused them of. You've replaced the Word of God with your tradition. It was a very corrupt system. A very unkind system. And what, what, did, what was the result? Verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you delivered, and many such like things you do. Now, there's a progression, I believe, to this language in Mark chapter 7. Look at it in verse 8, it says... You, you lay aside, say, for laying aside the commandment of God. That's like you take God's word, but you just disregard it. You disesteem it. You lay it aside. And as we heard in Sunday school this morning, that does not mean that you're critical of the word of God. It just means you're not taking it seriously. You lay it aside. And then if you look down in verse 9, it says, Full well, you reject the commandment. Of God, And then in verse 13, you've made the word of God of none effect. You've, you're at the place now, the word of God does not affect you. It's not affecting you. By the way, that's not a good place to be. 
when the Word of God is not affecting you. If you listen to preaching and listen to preaching and listen to preaching and it doesn't have an effect on you, the problem is not with the Bible. The problem is with us. Something has happened and maybe we've laid aside the Word of God. So the lesson basically, and there's, we, I took, we're taking three weeks to look at this text because number one, we see their fault finding. They had this critical fault-finding spirit, which is a dangerous thing to have. Then we see that the real issue here had to do with the, the power, the weight of tradition versus truth. And, you know, as Baptists, as Baptists, we hold to the supreme authority of the Word of God. No tradition of men carries the same weight as the Word of God. And you say, well, why don't you say as Christians? Because a lot of people who profess to be Christians hold a lot of traditions that aren't in the Word of God. The Bible is supreme authority. We look to the book. What does the Bible say? What does God say? And then the last thing we'll look at is next week is Jesus saying the defilement that you're having is not coming from externally. It's coming from within you really gets to the heart of the matter. No pun intended. I love this passage of Scripture. I think it's such an important passage. I think, I think it's important because historically of what we find in the Scripture, but hear me, I think it's important because we can find ourselves in the same place. We can become like those fault finders where we're obsessed with looking for something wrong. And that's exactly what these people were like. And that's a bad place to be. The second thing is, we could get to the place where we put more emphasis on traditions, or you could even say personal preferences, than we do what the Bible says. And I agree with what we heard in Sunday school this morning, that what our responsibility is to dig into the Word of God and find out what the Bible says. What does the Word of God say? Because we're to live by the Word of God. As we think about this passage today, I want to just start wrapping this up by just kind of reviewing what I believe are some very practical and serious lessons found in our text today. Just in review, first of all, traditions may be wrong, but they're not necessarily wrong. But they never take the place of truth. Never. Second of all, as I just said, we ought to take the Bible seriously. Because the Bible has much to say about so many areas of our life. Practical issues. Personal finances. Our marriages. How to train our children. The kind of friendships we ought to have. Even even a matter of dress and appearance and all these things, they're spelled out for us in the Word of God. Our thought life, what our language and conversations should be like, the way we relate to God-ordained authority, all these things are spelled out in the Bible. We ought to get in the Bible. What does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? We take our Bible seriously. Thirdly, Religion or ritual or ceremony are not the same thing as a relationship. 
with Jesus Christ. You know, you can dot every I and cross every T theologically and not have a heart that's right with God. And that's the fourth thing I want to mention is true worship comes from the heart. It's not about how much Bible you know even. We're for studying our Bible. True worship is not just about how much Bible you know. Because I found out as a brand new Christian many, many years ago, I could worship God because God was real. He, he changed my life. True worship comes from the heart. And it's possible for people to come to church and leave church with little personal thought of surrender and devotion to Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole purpose of being here. It becomes fake. It's hypocritical. It's just fake. Going through the motions. And finally, to me this whole matter, though this is not specifically what he's teaching about, but it strikes at the very center and essence of the gospel. Because a man is not made right with God because of any works or deeds or external things you can do. You need to understand this. Every one of us, every last one of us, God made us to have fellowship with Him. God made us to walk with God and fellowship with God. God is not just someone we read about. God is someone that we know. By faith, we know Him. We have a relationship with God. He doesn't speak to us audibly, but He speaks to us through the Word of God. And whom He loves, He chastens. He deals with us when we sin. He shows us things. He sheds light into our life. This is the God of the Bible. And we all need Him. You need Him today. You don't just need... I'm glad you're here today. Being in church will not fix our problem. Religion won't fix our problem. We, We need a relationship with God and there's nothing we can do. Washing our hands, washing our clothes, being baptized, coming to church, nothing can change what's wrong with us. Something has to happen on the inside of us. And God's gift of salvation and eternal life is offered to every sincere person who turns to Him in faith and trusts Him. Aren't you glad about that? You know what changed our lives? It wasn't getting religion. It wasn't learning a bunch of stuff from the Bible. What changed our lives was when we as broken sinners, guilty before God, trusted Him by faith and fell upon His mercy and believed that what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago was pay for my sin and your sin. And by faith we received that and we were changed by the grace of God. I'm not against obeying God as a part of our life, but you don't obey God in order to be saved. You obey God after you get saved. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to be saved. You have to receive Christ by faith. And it's not based on traditions and ritual. I've met a number of people in my life, and probably most of you have as well, who were raised in a religious system, but it left them empty. There was nothing there. Just going through the motions, sitting down, standing up, saying things. I'm going to tell you, that's, God has more for us than that. He has the new birth, regeneration, salvation, the grace of God. 
You know what's illustrated in these Pharisees? It's justification by works and outward reform. But that's not taught in the Bible. We live by faith in Jesus Christ. And we know Him by what He has declared to us in His Word. Traditions may be good, and some traditions may be bad. My family had some traditions that weren't good traditions. But no tradition trumps the Word of God. Amen? So let me ask you today, first of all, do you know in your heart, do you know in your heart that you've been saved, that you've been born again, that there was a time in your life, maybe as an adult, maybe as a teenager, maybe as a child, but there was a time in your life when you personally received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you were born again. And if you can say that, thank God for that. But if in all sincerity you can't say that, that's what you need. You need Christ in your life. Amen? You need to be born again. And today He wants to save you. We have many wonderful promises from Jesus, but one of them is that He, all that come to Him, He will in no wise cast out. Come to Him, right? Come to Him today. He said, how do I do that? I'm going to be standing here in a few moments and we'll be praying, have our heads bowed. And you say, that's what I want. I want to know more about this matter of being saved. I want to know I'm going to heaven. Just slip out quietly and come right here and somebody will take a Bible and show you from the Bible what, it, what God says you must do to be saved. It's not complicated, but it's life-changing. So I hope you'll do that. But then if you're here today and you're maybe thinking, you know, there's some things in this lesson, in this message, in this dialogue that pertain to me. I can relate to that. I can, I can see where I need to work on that. Areas maybe we're not being obedient. Areas maybe we're putting more, more weight or responsibility on a tradition than we are on the Word of God. You ought to say, God, I want to, I want to get this right. I want to live by the Word of God. There's no, there's no example in the Scripture. There's no place in the Scripture where God says it's okay or commendable for His children to lay aside the Word of God. We're to be serious about living by the Word of God. Amen? Amen.